It is officially Christmas season here on Pop Culturally Deprived. I've been waiting all year, and I can say, finally, bah humbug. Oh, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew. You're so terrible. This is episode 187 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, or actually in this case that neither of us have seen before. And <laughs> People talk haven't about... seen before. <laughs> yeah, nobody's seen this one. And we talk about the good, the bad, and the whirly-twirly. This week we're going to be talking about Netflix's Jingle Jangle A Christmas Journey on your The Square Root of Impossible podcast. Okay, so before we talk about (laughs) our feelings on this movie, I just have to say this. I was watching this movie, and most people listening to this probably haven't seen this yet, so I just kind of want to set up what you're getting when you watch this movie, and I'm curious if you agree with me or disagree with me. This movie is essentially if A Christmas Carol, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Disney's version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella had a baby. With a tiny bit of Mary Poppins thrown in. That's a weird throuple right there. <laughs> it is. It is. But it's wonderful and it absolutely works for me. <laughs> Matthew's just staring at me. I know you didn't like it. You gave it four out of ten on Twitter. You tweeted that you were halfway through it and it had no plot and you didn't like any of the songs. I, I don't know what to do with that. It absolutely has a plot. All of the songs are wonderful. I, I... This is a Christmas movie as much as Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Oh, no, this is absolutely a Christmas movie. This is a Christmas movie as much as Die Hard is no. a Christmas movie. As much as, I don't know, Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie. It is <laughs> set around Christmas. That is very true. Christmas does not play any bearing on this story. But it tells the story that is central to most Christmas movies. It's the story of belief, which is integral to most Christmas stories. Right. Believing in yourself, believing in Santa, or you know, believing in what you can't see. I mean, the whole catchphrase of the Santa Claus is seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. Like to me, that is the Christmas theme okay and they kind of like pound you over the head with that one in this movie okay so why does it have science and formulae and mechanics and engineering if you just need belief because it's the square root of impossible and the mechanics of destiny and it's just wonderfully imaginative It has Christmas in the title. It wants you to think this is a Christmas film. This is not a Christmas film. It takes place over Christmas. and So does Iron Man 3. (laughs) (laughs) So... I knew we were going to have this argument. I did. Um, I expect you're right. If I didn't enjoy the movie, I would be saying the exact same things that you are. But I loved it so much that it's... Yes, it's a Christmas movie for me. It's just, it's wonderful. And it's got Christmas in the title. (laughs) It's a Christmas journey. It is a Christmas movie. 
So thank and you for listening, everyone. And it's about toy makers. <laughs> and it's about toy makers. You don't get much more Christmassy than that. We hope you enjoy your December. Come on. Don't forget, if you want to support <laughs> us, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. Um, and I'm Matthew Vose. <laughs> you know, when we talk about fixing problems in a film. We're, we're, okay, when we talk about to- fixing fi- problems in a film, I always think of Star Trek V. Star Trek V is a famously bad film. It is bad. People do not like it. I don't even think the creators like it. <laughs> but through our conversation, we got to a point where probably with two or three new scenes, extra stuff, mm-hmm. more explanations, actually we could have salvaged something from that film. Okay. I think. About God coming and speaking to him and God is an alien and the powers that he gets and it's all. Fine. I don't think I can do that here. <gasps> Oh my god! I think every, I didn't know you disliked it that much. <laughs> every point I come to where I'm like, okay, there is some horrible casting in here that needs to be changed. <gasps> well, fine, you you could replace for it Forest Whitaker, no. but at the same time, the film has no plot, so you'd need to fix it's... the plot. And then, <gasps> okay, you fix the plot, but the songs are not good. Well, okay, oh you could fix god. the songs. But then you've got the next thing, and the next thing. <laughs> oh, this this film's fundamentally broken. It reminds me, I'll tell you what it reminds me of, and, and the, this is the problem with me trying to give you some of this stuff, because I'm going to tell you things, and you're going to go like, well, I haven't seen that. All right, that's fine. <laughs> Looney Tunes back in action. Have you ever seen Not that? Blue. Yeah. It, every so often, Looney Tunes, and I, I think like the Muppets as well, they try to put out a movie with their characters. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've got bugs and daffy and taz or we've got kermit and miss piggy and gonzo let's do a big film where they go on an adventure and fun funny things happen and they try to do it because disney does it and disney does it very well mm-hmm. the mickey adventures with goofy and so and there's just something about the way disney does it that no one else can capture and this mm-hmm. makes me think the same this was Trying to be any sort of Disney high school musical descendants, modern Disney musical, even going back to Newsies, it had it had all the rap- wrappings of that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I compared it to was Disney's Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Absolutely, like, visually, it was very similar. Mm. It just it's missing the edge of quality or magic that somehow Disney put in most things. It just. Uh, the the thing it most reminded me of, and I think this might be that you've just not seen it. Why you're not mentioning it is the Greatest Showman. I have seen it actually, okay. but I, um, I actually loved the Greatest Showman too. So, right, well, I suspect if you like the Greatest Showman, you're going to like this, which tells oh. you everything I think about the Greatest Showman. <laughs> <laughs> now, to clarify, I think the story of uh, P.T. Barnum is the real story of P.T. Barnum is trash. I think they should not have named this character P.T. Barnum because it was a completely fictionalized story. Yeah. And that fictionalized story was great. Mm-hmm. And most of the songs were really good. But I can I can see why you would draw that comparison to this as well. And mm. I, I thought about that a few times while I was watching it, but it didn't really feel like it fit into my thruple thing that i had going on <laughs> which which is so clever and engineered <laughs> and <it's just> <laughs> i 
Oh, there is nothing I don't like about this movie. Honestly. Interesting. I don't think there's anything to fix. Interesting. I think I love the like it's an it's set in this Afrocentric Victorian era. Mm-hmm. It's Dickensian beautiful. Britain. It's yeah. beautiful. Like the colors and the patterns and just the way they put it all together. Um I love the idea that they wanted to make a movie specifically a family Christmas movie that had so much black representation. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that was the goal of this movie and they absolutely did it and they did it really, really well. I was reading an interview with um, David Talbert. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name, the writer and producer, director guy. And like he is, he tried to start writing this as a stage play back in 1998. And he just couldn't get it right because his imagination was so much bigger than the stage. Okay. And then when, like, he also didn't have any kids at that point. And so he felt like he couldn't authentically get into the perspective he needed to tell Journey's story. Mm-hmm. And so then after he had kids, he was able to you know, be able to see through the lens of his children's eyes and then write it. And then he took it to Netflix and Netflix basically told him he had no budget ceiling. Write your imagination and then we'll figure out the budget. And that's what he was able to do. And learning Mm. all of that, even after watching it, like, Mm. I love it. I think he needed a ceiling. Rain him back in at times. No, I, I, don't. I, I completely agree with you with the Afrocentricity of it, if that's the mm-hmm. phrase I should use. I, and, you know, I don't want to diminish that aspect of it because these are stories that have not seen non white representation. So it is wonderful mm-hmm. to see. It's awesome. When I talk about this, I don't want to see like a tweet about people saying, Matthew Vose thinks Forrest Whitaker should be replaced by a white man. It's like, no, that's not the <laughs> no. point. But the, the character can only be compared to other characters like that, which are historically played by white men. Oh, I think Forrest Whitaker that's, did a wonderful job. I think Forrest Whitaker's awful. I, I, I can't think that Forrest Whitaker has ever done comedy or light things. And that might be part of the problem. Forrest Whitaker does not come across as a light and fun person. He comes across as... Dowdy and browbeaten, which is how the character's supposed to come across. Right. With an edge of spark to him. Mm-hmm. So, and he gets okay. the spark back at the end. He does. If we compare this to other things of this ilk, mm-hmm. it's a part that, and again, this is, you know, because it's hard to say who would be playing this, but it's a part that would be played by a Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams type. Someone just with, mm-hmm. you know, an edge to them playing a part. Someone then, who has more, what's the word that I'm looking for? Vibrancy? Yeah, more versatility mm. in their career, mm. I think is what you're you're. Yeah, in their portrayals, whereas yeah. Forrest Whitaker is serious. Forrest Whitaker is serious. I didn't know Forrest Whitaker could sing. No, I was watching that going... I don't know if this is him or not. I was wondering that, but then the way they, they were so close up on his face, sometimes mm. I was thinking that's, like, if the, he's not actually singing that, he's fantastic at mimicking. Absolutely. 
Um, so I think he really was singing. I think yeah. everybody was really singing. Well, where, whereas Journey, when she sang, was horrendous at lip syncing to the extent I wasn't sure it was her. There's a couple <laughs> of moments where it's like, she looks like she's singing a different line. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even notice. I didn't. Particularly, there's a bit where she goes up the spiral staircase and at the top, she's doing a bit of a dance. That, yeah, yeah, it does not work. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, so I have that problem with the character because <laughs> anything I say is just going to lead to the next problem, the next problem. And I don't want to do this down. I just, I feel like, I feel like that the, there is a good idea in here, mm-hmm. which I always say. There, there is a good idea in here, and there's a way of doing this well. But I think the pieces they have do not fit together. Mm-hmm. They've got the top layer of the jigsaw and the bottom layer of the jigsaw, and the middle of the jigsaw is just missing. And they've just fudged all the pieces in to fit wherever they can. Aww. <laughs> so, I don't think I've... I haven't, I haven't said this in a long time, um, but I'm going to quote our friend Lonnie Diane Rich. This mm-hmm. movie was made specifically to delight me. Terrific. Exactly why I do not want to take it apart. It's. I mean, it's fine. I, I, I understand. Um, I think, uh, you know, I was talking to Joseph about it last night, and he said his thoughts were, "It's not a bad movie." That's about as positive as it got. <laughs> Just because he was sat with movie. you, yeah. Um, but he had, you know, I had shown him your tweet where you obviously didn't like it, and he was wondering if part of it just didn't translate well because it is very american yeah there, there is because oh, it was filmed in norwich it's got a lot of british actors but but you're right it is the american impression of what victorian Dickensian yes. britain can be like i mean to the point where some characters had a british accent and some didn't yeah right Which, like, you know, and, there was and- no way of knowing where this was actually set when i mean i think they did give us a date it was like in the 1800s of course but i'm not even sure they did that it was on one of jessica's letters okay so i just you are absolutely entitled to your own opinions i don't know that we've disagreed this (laughs) this much of an extreme since monty python okay the, the end of the film. If you've not seen the film, don't go and watch it. I'm just going to spoil it for you. Okay. Still, the- go and wa- Oh, my God. Go and watch it. <laughs> but spoil it. Spoil away. The kids realize that their grandmother, Claire Huxtable, is actually Journey. <sighs> Fine. We all saw that coming. Okay. Right. And they realize, if they look n- out of this window, that they're next to... <laughs> They can see the factory. I know. I know. That was, that was there. awful. That was awful. And, and then they realize that Buddy's there, even though Buddy's been sold in stores for, let's say, 50 years at this point mm-hmm. as a thing. And that Buddy gives people magic to be able to fly. But, oh, my God, Buddy's here and we have magic to fly. And we didn't know this existed, despite the fact we're incredibly rich and live opposite the factory. <laughs> That's the like, crescendo okay, of the film, the magical... Oh, it meant not, so much to these kids. That is not the crescendo of the film. That is the coda of the film. This was Jeronicus Jangle's story. This was Journey's story when she was a kid. You know, Felicia Rashad as grandmother Journey telling the story is the epilogue. Okay. It is, okay. It's not the point. It's just a nice, fun thing at the end it's an embellishment at the end 
and it okay. didn't make a lot of sense. I understand that. My first instinct was, why don't these kids know Jeronica's shingle is their great-grandfather right? when there's a big J on that factory right out the window? Right. Like, I, I do. I get that. Okay. Like, I, okay. So we'll take but a step it's not enough back to- into the film. All right. To the crescendo. The crescendo. He's managed to make Buddy work, and it's amazing, and it's great. And Hugh Bonneville, who was in this film for reasons, turns up from the bank and says, we'll give you every bit of money you want to be able to make this a success. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about your debts. The bank will back you. Mm -hmm. Does that sound like any bank you've ever heard of? In fiction, yes. Okay. I mean, if if we're saying this is Mary Poppins-esque... That's not the bank that Mr. Barn, Mr. Banks worked for. Okay, the only part of Mary Poppins that this was like was flying. laughing on the flying on the mm. ceiling. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Um, but I don't know. They they started the bank thing from the very beginning because they the bank was approving loans for Geronicus based on his ideas, mm. not based on any physical commodity that he had. There was no collateral. It was all his imagination. And so I think it makes perfect sense that he finally, you know, Hugh Bonville, I don't even know this character's name, but the banker dude, you know, he has, that's it, Mr. Delacroix. He has had faith in Geronicus for all of these years, but they've just kind of finally hit a wall. Like he has too many debts. They can't continue to back him with nothing to show for it. But he's his friend, and he knows that inside of him there's – he believes. He believes in Jeronica's jangle. And when he finally sees, he knows he can sell this back to the bank, and it's wonderful. That is no way to run a bank or an economy. It's absolutely not, but we also don't live in an economy where we just randomly burst into song and also get to fly away because we believe in robots. No. That's why why their civilization fell and we're now here. (laughs) I don't know. I thought the casting was wonderful. Um, the the problem with the casting, Forrest Whitaker is the one I point to. I think, um, who was the lady? Mrs. Johnston. Lisa Davina Philip. I, I, I found the performance a bit, I, I couldn't quite get what she was going for. I found her performance um, to be slightly inappropriate for children. <laughs> yeah. It was just, there was something to it that didn't quite work there. Particularly the bit when he's going out to her and she's at the van. It just, again, it it felt like it was an element that the film didn't need. But fine, mm. fine. I'm um, not sure it needed it either. It, but again, that's very Cinderella esque. One of the stepsister, both of the stepsisters in that version, I think, were very much over the top in that manner. So there's a, there's a couple of people I think don't necessarily work. All the performances aren't great. Forrest Whitaker is the one I would point to because he's so central to it. I think I think mm-hmm. there is probably someone else out there who would really grab that role and, and give it something just with a bit of an edge and a bit of interest and fine fine okay the reason it stands out so much is when keegan michael key comes on the screen the film is wonderful when he gets to do whatever he wants to do because I mean, and he is an actor i've got a lot of time for he is very good at what he does because mm-hmm. he just commits to everything mm-hmm. and his song his one song is wonderful. It's up there with Jafar singing. It's that good. Oh, wait, that's the one song that you liked the most out of the yes. movie? Can't remember it at all, but I enjoyed it when it was on screen. Something about Magic Man G. And then, uh, I mean, you know, Anika Nonny Rose comes on. 
one of the great performers, the original Angelica Schuyler from the the Hamilton mixtapes. She was the first one to do that. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. They didn't utilize her enough. But what, oh, what they did with her when her song when she comes out and just the range she's hitting, the quality of the like it shows up how everyone else has been kind of amateurish at this point. <laughs> And suddenly okay. we've got we've got a stage professional doing this, and she is amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, could we get someone better for the other parts then? Oh. Like Journey, I get it. You know, you're always going to get a very stage school Disney esque kid. I don't think mm-hmm. you're going to get anything better from a child doing that performance. I, I thought she was wonderful. I thought she she was Her- very good. It felt very practiced. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, her range in vocal tone, like, I genuinely enjoyed listening to her. Right. Hmm. So. Hmm. I see what you're saying. I do. I think the movie just stole my heart so much that I don't care about any of the flaws. And and this might be the thing with, like, Joseph saying it's not a bad film. Catherine and I were watching this and we were both like, this is really not good. And I was Aww. I was in here for this film. When we were talking about the films, I was like, that advert looks really good. It looks magical, yeah. beautiful, and it's going to be a lot of fun. A bit like the Greatest Showman trailer does. And yeah. then you watch the film, and you're like, well, this is awful. This is not a good film. Aww. This is in, in, uh, over and above the musical stuff. This <laughs> ain't a good film. And the Jingle Jangle just... I couldn't remember the character. And I, was, I, think, I think that first song that Jangle sings, we're supposed to really... Oh, he's got his part. That's amazing. That's great. But they give us no context for why to be excited other than he's got a part that he's been waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. And and then suddenly he's gone through trauma and he's old and Forrest Whitaker is doing nothing to win me over and make me like this guy. And then suddenly. You're not supposed to like him. Say again? To start. You're not supposed to like him at that point. I mean, he's his daughter away. The entire film. All right. All right. To the extent I feel sorry for Keegan Michael Key, his character Gustafson, Gustafson, yeah, yeah, because he's not a bad person at the beginning. He's trying hard. He wants to be an inventor. He wants to be like his um, mentor. Mm-hmm. And the evil Ricky Martin robot convinces him to be to steal everything and run away. Borrow indefinitely. Borrow indefinitely. Absolutely. And then the next time we see him, he's a moustache-twirling villain. <laughs> Absolutely, 100% villain. It's weird seeing him play a villain. Yes, and, and he does it very well because he does that Jafar-esque moustache-twirling. <laughs> but the character wasn't like that. And and it's, it's I... a, a step too far, almost, where he was actually quite a good thing. I almost would have expected him to send money back. See, the movie sold me on it, though, because he was jaded and he he felt hurt. Mm -hmm. And then he had evil Ricky Martin, you know, whispering in his ear, telling him that he was better than that and he deserved it and blah, 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 blah. And then we all know what money does to people, Mm -hmm. usually in these these kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. And so the next time we see him, he's built his empire on Geronicus's stolen inventions. Mm -hmm. And so it made perfect sense to me that that would have been the character evolution okay um i love how when he comes out the first time we see him as keegan michael key he's wearing green Mm. right because he's built his career 
because he was jealous okay, right. of Geronicus. I- How many J words can we get in there? Like, I thought that was spectacular. I don't think green is his best color, but... Because <laughs> he wore purple later, and that was great. Right. But I think the the imagery and the the symbol symbology symbolism of him wearing green as he's talking about he's been toy maker of the year for 28 times yeah yeah. you say he's jaded at the beginning and jealous and i think that's true but i'm sympathetic towards him because jangle is not not good to him no no he's not he's we are not he's not bad to him Right. He's not bad to him, but he's not great to him either. Mm. Right. Like watching how heartbroken Gustafson was when Jessica got the inventor goggles and he's his apprentice and had never had them. Like, I get why he would give his daughter inventor goggles, but, mm-hmm. you know, I would have expected his apprentice. his apprentice. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm. that. I I get why that hurt him. But then. You also got him coming back with the gift and, you know, he wanted to include him and celebrate with him as well. But he should have just let him go. Like, he should have been a part of the family. Mm. Mm. Like, right. If he had just been a part of the family, none of this would have happened. And at the end, it did rub me slightly the wrong way when Jeronicus gave him the gift and said, if you had only waited. Right. Like, making it Gustafson's fault. Right. Like, he should have apologized and recognized what he had done to drive Gustafson to that point. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that would have been a nice depth. Yes. To the end of the movie. Yeah, because it's a simple line to say, I'm sorry I didn't treat you better that you ended up this way. Like, you know, Gustafson has to own his choices on what's happened. Mm -hmm. But... He wasn't good to him. But, uh, and it left me wondering, like, is this Gust- Gustafson's story? Mm. But it wasn't. He disappeared with the book and built his own factory over the way where he could watch him with binoculars. Yeah. Yeah. Disappeared with the book over the road. <laughs> and the police wouldn't investigate it because he had no proof. He stole stuff. No. If, if someone steals something from you, you don't have proof. You have an empty well, space think where the stuff was. There was no proof that the book belonged to Geronicus, I think. I think that was the, the point. It's got his drawings and stuff in it. Like, that's hard to fake. L- like I said, this film at every stage did not take me in. And then because we were both watching it going, mm. struggling here, I think it's put us downwards on it. Right, yeah. Where Joseph watching with you has put it upwards perhaps <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i was all in from the first musical number i i was just in i yeah i i i have nothing else to say i loved it i loved the casting i loved the performances i probably could have done without the evil ricky martin doll i i kind of get it mm-hmm. because it gives that step of like you say whispering in the ear convincing him to turn evil like a quite mm-hmm. like that. The other bit it probably could have done without is the new apprentice. Edison. Yeah, the other kid. Like, he doesn't add anything or do anything. And it is, is Jangle just keeping apprentices and being awful to them? Like, like you know, shitty intern manager or something? I, okay, so I read that 
as Edison's not actually his apprentice. Edison is the kid next door who just loves this place and comes in and bothers Jeronicus Jangle. That's how I read that. But the point of him is to show that there is still hope in the things that Jeronicus can do. Like somebody still believes in him, even though he doesn't believe in himself anymore. Somebody else does. Yeah, we, we get all that from Journey. It's, and and he is called his apprentice. So whether whether the did Jeronicus call him his apprentice or did Edison call himself the apprentice? I think everyone calls him his apprentice. Mm, okay, I I that's that's not how I interpreted what was on the screen, but that doesn't mean I'm right. So I I, I feel like he's a character that could be taken out, but then even just thinking about him, it's like oh yes, there's a snowball fight in the middle. That's the moment that the Grinch's heart grew three sizes. We needed that snowball fight. Okay. Is is it not the bit where he goes to save her and realizes she's in trouble and then has to recapture the magic of seeing numbers in the air and using science in this film that's about belief? No, because he had to have already started to love her before that moment. Okay. You know, that moment wasn't about his love for her because he was going there to save her anyway. Mm-hmm. Like him recapturing his own imagination was the next level of that. But that didn't have anything to do specifically with his relationship with Journey other than he began to see what she could. Okay. I did not get that from the snowball fight. Really? That that's okay. their bonding moment. It, it was just... Oh, this is filler. This is another song. Aww, okay. Which, which is, is, you know, again, one of the big things that reminds me of some of the lesser Disney musicals, because they do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Christian Bale under a bridge singing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Newsies. Can we get back to the newspaper stuff now? <laughs> Aww. Okay, I, I felt that way about Mrs. Johnson's song. Sorry, Ms. Johnston's song. In the shop. Yeah. Yeah. Miles and Miles, I think is what it was called. Yeah, and and she as a character is largely not necessary. Forcing of romance. Edison's, I thought she was Edison's mom the whole movie until the very end. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, why wouldn't she be? I mean, so, I mean, it almost doesn't make a difference whether she is or not. Right. Just yeah. Yeah. So this, so uh, yeah, I have a lot of things with this, and it's a real shame because the trailer made it look so good. Mm-hmm. And then when it does shine, when you have Annika Nani Rose singing her heart out and it's beautiful and you have Keegan-Michael Key just tearing up the screen and like having clearly having a lot of fun, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Give me that film. Give me the film where she falls in love with the apprentice who ripped off the father and everyone gets redemption through it. Mm. Give us that story. No. <laughs> no I like the story a lot okay. so hmm. that's I think we may be at an impasse on this one I think we might be I think we might be. I, that's perfectly okay what a way to kick off our Christmas season <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean I've not talked about the plot yet that's the other bit we could talk about let's talk about the plot there the is plot, no plot that you say doesn't exist? There is no plot. At no point is there a, a driving force in this. Maybe the last third. 
it suddenly gets a oh if we do x we get y and that allows us to do z this is about the the miserly old man who loses his belief and has to be reminded that it exists and this journey happens (laughs) no pun intended where after he goes through these certain things with his family he gets it back happily ever after that's the story that's the plot it is not about that at all or maybe it is about that but the film never tells you it's about that it is just a series of events happening to these people and that's the outcome but at no point is there a sense of if we love him hard enough and try and everyone believes he's going to be great again it's just and now we cut the journey and we see her now we cut back to her in the town and we see what happens there and then keegan michael key gets a song (laughs) I think now is the time for you to say your bah humbug. <laughs> I don't know what to do with you about this one. I just, I don't know. I don't know it is a real shame, but I'm hopeful about the next one. Tell us about it. What are we watching next? Next is Dolly Parton's Christmas in the Square. Dolly Parton's Christmas in the Square. Christmas in the Quadrilateral. Um, <laughs> I can guarantee you there won't be any science in this one. <laughs> i honestly don't know much about the plot of this one i decided i wanted to watch it solely based on the fact that it's dolly parton well yes (laughs) and then i saw some of the other cast and i can't remember who they are now but i was excited about them when i saw them christine what's her face last name ski no, but it's it's a ski name. Baranski. Baranski. See? Christine yes. Baranski. She's Williams, in it. Jennifer Lewis. Josh Segara. Segara. Was he an arrow? He was an arrow. Mm-hmm. He was a bad guy who I'm not going to name in case no one's watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this one, considering that I have a track record of enjoying Dolly Parton Christmas movies. Right, Okay. So I I can't imagine this one's going to be bad. Plus, I recently finished watching Heartstrings on Netflix. Do you guys have that? Oh, that, that, that was her series, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Where each episode tells the story of one of her songs. Okay. <laughs> it's va- or yeah. So it ta- it tells the story that the song is telling. Right. Right. So you get Jolene, and you know, it's it, it's fantastic. It's way better than I expected it to be. Cool. Like, I just love Dolly Parton, and I've only recently discovered how amazing she is, so. She made Buffy happen. She did make Buffy happen. So, yeah. Um, You've seen The Grinch, haven't you? Yes. Okay. Because that's kind of the role I think of for Christine Baranski. Was she the friend in Sybil or something as well? She was the friend in Sybil. She was also in Mamma Mia. Okay. Oh, and she's in Big Bang, isn't she, as well? Yes. Okay. Um, yes, she's Leonard's mother. In but Big yes, Bang. so I think of her as a Christmas film actress. Oh, because of the Grinch. Got yeah. it. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Yes. No, I'm I'm looking forward to that because, you know, Dolly Parton. And you can't go wrong yeah. with some Dolly Parton. We'll see. Frankly. <laughs> um... All right, so here's what I want to know from our listeners. 
I want to know if you're on Team Matthew or Team Mandy about Jingle Jangle. <laughs> that's that's really what I want to know. I want to know how many other people out there are going to break my heart and not like this movie. It's been interesting looking at reviews because there is a mix of reactions to this. Generally, people have gone, it's it's saccharine sweet, but but yes, it kind of works for the niceness. But there is also a definite vibe of it hits you over the head with trying to be Christmas nice and it doesn't work. Hmm. So. Okay. Mm. Well, if you guys have watched Jingle Jangle, tell us what you thought. If you haven't watched it, go watch it and then mm. tell us what you thought. And you can do that on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at Eloquent Gushing. Or you can send an email to us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. Or if you just want to gush with me about how awesome Jingle Jangle was and, you know, sing the songs, I'm on Twitter at Mandy K. And I'm Matthew Vos. I'm on Twitter at Matthew Vos. And you can come and recommend any Christmas songs you want, because I love interesting, different Christmas songs. Pop Culture Deprived is funded by our lovely listeners through Patreon. Anything you give gives access to exclusive content and bonus shows, early access to shows and physical merch. And it makes us love you very much for helping to support us. So if you want to find out more, if you want to help support us, you can go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing and find out more about how to give and support. And we will be back next week with another episode where we are going to talk about Dolly Parton's Christmas in the Square. We might even sing a little bit, maybe. Until next time, I am Mandy Kay. And I'd like one egg, please. It is officially Christmas season here on Pop Culturally Deprived. Say something. I know it's not our normal intro, but say something. <laughs> Hi. 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 Like <laughs> no. Okay, I will not expect you to say something. That I just kind of threw that at you. <laughs> Hear those You're like, bells, I'm not supposed jangle. to talk yet. <laughs> All, All is right. merry and bright. No. All right. And your stockings in his bed tonight. Santa Claus comes tonight. Here you know, we Santa haven't Claus had you singing in, a, in, a, in a, an episode in a while. Maybe I'll right leave all of this Santa in. Claus Lane. He's got a gift for the boys and girls. And, 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 and,